thanks for listening to the Property Pal podcast. In this episode, we're joined by Carolyn Brady, Associate Building Surveyor at Ryder Levitt Bucknell and Board Member at the RICS Northern Ireland. Carolyn chats with Errol and Jordan about the challenges the surveying industry are currently facing and how digital technologies are set to improve the day-to-day workings of surveyors. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to our podcast. Now it's over to Errol, Jordan and special guest, Carolyn Brady. Welcome, Carolyn. It's lovely to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to come down and speak to us. We're here clearly to talk about the surveying industry today. It's an area where we have some knowledge, but there, there's a whole aspect. It. It's a very broad industry and we're keen to find out a lot more and, and obviously utilise your experience. Thank you. Yeah, no, glad to be here. So just even just at the very outset, just do, do you want to introduce yourself very quickly? Give us a bit of your background and, and your experience to do it. Yeah, um, so my name's Carolyn Brady. I'm an Associate Building Surveyor based at Ryder Live at Bucknell's Belfast office. Um, I spent the past 11 years in England and um, made the move back home 18 months ago to help mm-hmm. open the Belfast office. Um, I'm also a member of the RICS regional board here in Northern Ireland and I represent Building Surveyor on that board. Brilliant. Congratulations. It's great to hear of investment back into the Northern Ireland market. Yeah. So long may the success continue. You mentioned that you're on the board of the RICS. Everyone who works in the industry is, is very well aware the RICS is very prestigious um, body and, and professional body. Can you, could you just outline us very quickly what is the RICS, what's major agenda and themes is over, over the coming years? Absolutely, yeah. So obviously we're a professional body um, for, for chartered surveyors and I suppose the role of the regional board in Northern Ireland is really to help drive the agenda and the strategy for the, the, the national um, business plan of, of the RICS. So specifically in, in Northern Ireland we have a board of, of nine members and we have some sort of key themes um, that, that we're trying to push forward this year. So key theme is decarbonisation. So at the minute we're supporting local government on their journey to net zero. Um, we're currently supporting the ICM S3 as well and also the whole life carbon cost assessment. So moving on to data and tech, um, so it's really at the heart of the RICS. I suppose measurement is a key one, so um, we're looking at digital twin technologies, um, BIM, um, so digital twin is really moving moving on to di- digital technologies, um, implementing 3D scanning into actual whole life mm. building use, um, so tech and point cloud and, and bringing that into um, actual piece of software. Um, and then diversity and inclusion is, is on the agenda as well. So um, basically next generation of surveyors. Um, so that's a key passion of mine. And um, one, one of the reasons why I wanted to join the board. Um, I have a passion about getting um, not just young people, but people in, in all walks of life into construction because um, I'm very passionate about my job. And specifically, I suppose, with the RICS, we're trying to push about diversity and inclusion within um, females in construction as mm-hmm. well because we do need more females, specifically in Northern Ireland, we need more representation. The pipeline is strong from universities, um, so we do a lot of work with um, University of Ulster and Queen's University as well. Um, so we'll often go in, hold um, careers days, do guest lectures and, and really get um, a bit of traction with um, within those areas. I wonder if you could just tell our listeners a little about the day and the life of Carolyn. I suppose my day-to-day role in terms of what I do is quite varied. I suppose to, to track back the role of the building surveyor is so varied. You know, there's multiple different types of surveying. Um, I would class myself as a project surveyor mm-hmm. in the sense that my role crosses the core and extended building surveying role. So core is the likes of your um, defect investigations, defect diagnosis, building surveys, stock condition surveys. And then I also do um, project work on top of that. So I would do a lot of design, contract administration and project management as well, which yeah, it's a bit of a specialism in itself. 
So the daily basis, what mm-hmm. would you be doing? My role, so I'm an RICS board member, I represent Building Serene on the board. My week can encompass some aspects of that, whether it be monthly board meetings or it could be events like this when, sure. when I get opportunities like this. Because I, ma- I manage a team of Building Surveyors, so there's six of us on the team. So my role involves management, work winning, looking for work, going out meeting clients. Um, so that's I suppose the business development management side and then moving on to the technical delivery. I will do a lot of framework work, implement frameworks for clients, implement strategy for clients, depending on what the rules are. My building survey, but I haven't done a survey in about two or three <laughs> years. But we do a lot of design specifications. It depends what, what client we're working for. So at the minute in Northern Ireland, we work for public sector clients, including the NHS and blue light clients as well. Um, we've just started work for Queen's University and we're surveying the entirety of their estate to help with their um, estate strategy. We work for retail clients including Tesco, Homebase, Co-op and basically help them deliver their projects across um, a multi-facet Now service. when you say estate agent, or estate agent, listen to me, estate, <laughs> ag- estate strategy. Yeah. So when you say estate strategy, mm-hmm. what kind of things would they be thinking about and what are the kind of things that they need you for that they could be encompassing in a strategy for example yeah um so they're, they're all actually different it depends on what it depends if the client has a, a strategy already defined if they don't we can help them with that um, but say for example a client had a strategy def- defined and they had x amount of capital expenditure they wanted to spend or they knew they had a diminishing state or a state that was in disrepair and um, we would come on we would help them basically review the strategy and advise them on how they actually reach their goals and objectives within that strategy and um, so that could be for example we could survey their estate to help them understand what condition their buildings are in and mm. what their occupancy is like we can do surveys and studies on their utility spend and their energy cons- consumption and um, to help them figure out do they need the amount of space they have if they don't need it can we help them dispose of it can we help them mm. reimagine the space or repurpose the space to be used for something else really and of the, your typical clients do most of them come with an agenda of what they want you to look into or do they leave that to you or is it a mixture of both? Good question. <laughs> so it's a mixture of both. Um, it all depends on the type of client that we work for. Um, a lot of clients are what I class as informed clients. So they would have a technical background so they do know what they want. They I just see. need help in fulfilling their goals and objectives. Um, other clients who maybe don't have a technical background know they have a problem, so they come to us and say, we have a problem, can you help us? And then we then have to help them understand what that problem is and help them identify, I suppose, and put in place a plan and a strategy to help them overcome that problem. And are you seeing anything in regards to efficiencies and energy that people are coming to you about more and more often now than ever before? We are, we are. So I suppose um, net zero is high on everybody's agenda. Um, the obviously there's um, going to be changes to building regulations I think in June of this year so it is high on everyone's agenda so there is one client that we're working for and we are actually employed for um, design and project management sustainability was a key driver for them so we're doing sustainable assessments but to allow us to fulfill the assessment properly we had to look at their energy consumption and their energy analysis it's a little bit ironic so um, we done a bit of a study so we done a thermal model of their their building based on their projected thermal 
output mm -hmm. with a specification. In terms of the, the financial reward, they would only achieve £8,000 worth of savings, but in order for them to do the work, it would cost maybe half a million. Sure. Just, it just Doesn't isn't there. So oh, my word. It's on everyone's agenda. It's key on the agenda, but it's almost difficult to... It, it's What's more important? Is it the sustainable aspect, or is it the finance, or is it both? What do you want to achieve? So that, that's only that's only one um, one client and one project. Obviously, no, I get either, that, so but the extremity of that one yeah, is yeah, just yeah. to go. Oh, that yeah. that is the yeah. financial aspect. Um, is that, that's obviously that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is yeah. there any cases where you're speaking to clients who are investing from the startup? Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. That's a different story then. Hugely, yeah. Um, so social value is a huge thing for for a lot of clients. Um, certainly in the public sector, there's there's changes coming into the public sector now that they need to consider ten, social value. Ten percent is that ten percent, right? absolutely. And that that doesn't just look at the supply chain; that looks at everything across the board. So yeah, it's on the agenda. It's just a slow process in Northern Ireland getting there. I think it's we've spoken about this in previous episodes as well on on the residential side specifically. That's that's the big question facing everyone at the minute. What is the cost going to be to implement this? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be access for everyone to do it? Is yeah. it going to have a two tiered market? What's the payback going to be? How's it going to impact the actual value of the property? And truthfully, we don't know a lot of these answers yet. It's still very much an evolving space, and clearly yeah. the surveyors and the respective body professionals are going to play a really important role in defining that process going forward. Okay, we'll, we'll pause it there. One thing, and it was a question which actually came in, but just earlier in the conversation, I want to highlight this, which is purely for our listeners and not, not for myself, but can you just outline us the very quick difference between a building surveyor and a quantity surveyor? Because this is something which is very often amalgamated. A surveyor does all aspects in the same way that yeah. surgeons do every part in their operation. You know, it's a very much a specialist element for different components. Can you just outline us the difference there? Yeah, so quantity surveyors may, may kill me for this, but in, <laughs> in simplistic terms, um, quantity surveyors are focused on the financial aspect of, of a project, whether that be in property or construction. And building surveyors are, I'm going to be slightly biased here, building surveyors are probably a little bit more technical in terms of the, the knowledge they're expected to hold. It's not just finances, but we look at all aspects of property and construction from design to how buildings work together, problems with buildings and how we overcome those. Okay, thank yeah. you for that. Okay, turn into that. Then what? I mean, there's so many challenges facing pretty much every business across the world right now, dealing with supply chain pressures. Yeah. Specifically from your sector and your space, what what are you seeing as the big challenges at the moment? And is there is there solutions come to these, or is it really just starting to mount? Yeah. So a key challenge for building surveyors in industry at the minute, well, not just building surveying, all aspects of surveying, is really a skills gap. So there's a skills gap in the market at the minute, and there's a lack of experience, expertise in the market, and I think that why. It's important to Northern Ireland because a lot of our students study over here and then they go further afield for work and at the minute we're, we're trying to put incentives out there. Can we get people back because there is a skills shortage. Through my role at the RICS we're doing a lot of work with um, schools and universities and I myself am a STEM ambassador so I will go into primary schools and secondary schools to try and educate not just the, the, the children but also the staff on a potential. So that's a key issue and I suppose with that skills shortage and the skills gap come resource issues for clients. So what would have been quick outturns for clients? Thank you for the instruction. We'll get on to that next week. Mm -hmm. You just can't. You just can't do that. And a lot of our competitors are actually turning work down just because they don't have the, the resource commitments there. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, yeah. A, it's a big problem right across the board. I mean, from your industry right across, I think of ourselves. You know, in the IT space as well, there's there's huge pressures on, on finding available staff, I and mean, even across a broad sort of economic perspective. And you know, unemployment sitting two and a half percent. It's almost one-to-one -one ratio of unemployed to vacancy level, yeah. so it's very difficult to get the right candidates. And my former colleagues who I worked with in the past in Ulster University, and they do the ongoing skills barometer research, which just shows persistently that mid-level skills gap, or the qualification gap, however you want to refer to it, is where there's a real pressure on yeah. getting the appropriate amount of people. And this is going to be a, 
I don't have the answer to this, but clearly we need to build a more inclusive space and an economy where where we're trying to contribute and, and yeah. actually get people back into work and, and make sure and obviously it pays to do so because yeah. there are these pinch points right across the economy that, that, that we're seeing coming through. Yeah. So Jordan's just mentioned about inclusivity. Mm-hmm. There's only 11% of women in the construction industry. Correct. And it's really interesting that you are one of the people that's the ambassador that's going out to the schools to not educate the children possibly, but even the, the adults. Mm-hmm. But the very fact that you're going out Hopefully that's helping to alleviate the 11% and make it go higher than, than what it currently is. What is it like in your workspace and workplace? And Are you seeing more women coming through or is it still a problem? Yeah, um, there are more women coming through, but it is still a problem. So in the company I work for, out of a team of six building surveyors, t- we have two females, maybe in one of them, okay. which I'm quite high numbers for Northern Ireland. And I suppose if I look at um, other our competitors in terms of building surveyors, so I'm only aware of another two or three female building surveyors in Northern Ireland. But that's, there, there might be more, I, I just might not know about them. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, as opposed to the research that I've done, there's very little building surveyors in Northern Ireland. Um, you see the numbers creep up a little bit whenever you come into quantity surveying. The numbers are even more extensive whenever you get into the likes of um, agency or commercial surveying. Um, but building surveying seems to be lacking. And I think it's because a lot of people have the perception... Is it, it, it a stigma issue? It is, yeah, I think part of it is. A lot of people have the perception that building surveyor is a middle-aged, you know, white guy that comes <laughs> turns up in his cream chinos and his check shirt um, with his, a set of steps in his hand long gone in those days and I think the role of the building surveyor has developed as well we're no longer um, going out with pen and paper standing in the rain in a field doing a survey somewhere you know things have advanced and there's a lot of specialisms and a lot of different areas of building surveying that you can go into which does make it a little bit more diverse so are you saying there's more niches inside it now than there would Absolutely. have been even 20 years ago yeah um, well there would have been more niches 20 years ago, but then would have been more automatically pigeonholed to two males. But now oh, I see. it's a bit more ex- expansive. But again, it, it just really depends in, in terms of what type of employer you work for, what opportunities you have with that employer and what sector you work in as well. Mm. A lot of females tend to, and I'm going to generalise here, but a lot of female surveyors tend to work um, or prefer to work in the public sector because they do get um, some of the, the added benefits. It's a nine to five job. You can you maybe don't get a laptop. Your desktop is in mm. the office yeah. whenever you get home. Home is home. Home is home and and work is work. And also some of the policies in terms of maternity cover and parental leave, they're sometimes maybe a bit more favourable in public sector. And again, I'm really generalising here, but we've done... um, through the RICS have done a, a Women in Constructions webinar and one of the key things that I tried to get across to women is yes look for your employer but not don't just think about what you can bring to them, your employer what can they bring to you you need to be looking at your maternity policy and um, if they can share parental leave because a lot of women they, they want to go back to work but they maybe struggle to go back to work after a child because their partner maybe doesn't have that opportunity mm-hmm. to take as much parental mm-hmm. to, to share that leave and then there's also um, the type of work as well so the type of work that I do it isn't overly manual um, in terms I might uh, have to carry a, a small set, set of telescopic ladders a little bit of equipment but that's because I work commercial if you were to work residential side the likelihood is you're using ladders every day you're having to carry those around all the time and it's not so bad if you're working in, in Northern Ireland but if you don't have access to a car if you're having to use public transport it mm. just rules it out so there's a lot of challenges um, a lot that we need to overcome not just specific to females but a lot it's just some of it's young people as well just getting them more into industry I'm fascinated at what got you attracted into it especially if it wasn't so female or it wasn't yeah. so it was so male dominated even further back yeah so what got you involved in this honestly so um i was always interested in construction at school 
I wanted to do architecture and at A-levels, well, as I was looking at university, realised that I didn't have the correct A-levels and I think that was through lack of career guidance at school. And then it was just really doing my own research um, that I came across Building Seren. I knew I wanted something construction orientated, just didn't know what. So I looked at architectural technology, can't do architecture, what's the next best thing? <laughs> architectural technology, Building Seren and project management. And those three were sort of a consideration. Honestly, just chose Building Seren as a bit of a whim because it seemed to tick the boxes of quantity survey, project manager and architectural technology. Here I am. It's been the best choice for me. So uh, there was no science behind it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, a couple of things I wanted to ask about. What, what are you seeing at the minute, obviously, in, in terms of the commercial space? Clearly, the last two years have been exceptionally turbulent and on everyone, but clearly the commercial sector is facing a lot of different challenges to other industries than that. Yep. What's the appetite like out there? Are you still seeing lots of interest, engagement in the commercial sector, new developments, retrofit? What, what, what are you seeing on the ground? Yeah, um, to be honest, the movement has been slower than what I would have thought. I think Northern Ireland is, it is recovering quick from COVID. We are seeing a lot of people coming back into offices and things, but in terms of commercial development, it is a bit of a slow process. Um, we are currently working with um, a range of commercial clients to help them understand their needs and requirements, not just of their own um, properties, but also their clients' portfolios as well in terms of retrofit. And there's a handful of people that are looking at new build, but most people are just really concerned with their existing portfolios. How can they save money? How can mm-hmm. they, I suppose, review their occupancy to see do right. they still need that space? So it's a lot of consolidation. It's a lot of consolidation, on. yeah. The appetite's there, but a lot, I think a lot of people are treading carefully. They're keeping their cards close to their chest and even more so keeping their money in their bank accounts mm-hmm. for the next while, yeah. And on the resi side of things, have you seen any sort of PR and private rented sector investments? Because obviously there's lots of schemes popping up any time I drive through Belfast now there seems to be a new scheme of some sort and particularly in that student living space there's lots of those developments are are you involved in any of that work? Absolutely yeah I suppose on a consultancy perspective we provide a range of services to two student resis schemes in Belfast city centre one's in Botanic one's in Library Street and it's finds construction on those but again those schemes are flagship schemes for Belfast there's obviously a need for them and it just showcases the commitment to to Belfast that, that investors have yeah yeah no, there's quite a lot of those schemes. So it, it's not an area I know a huge amount in the student living. It's, it's very much just anecdotal from seeing it, but there are more and more popping up. I mean, they're, they're incredibly impressive buildings. I guess there's a broader point there as well. Is what are we doing with all the additional space that's coming into the city centre you know, in terms of Ooh. if we are seeing any consolidation, how do we convert that into effective use of, of the building? Um, but, I mean, the, the one that strikes me, and I think I saw something about this on, on Twitter the other day as well, you know, between that journey, I was driving down it yesterday actually, that journey between Shaftesbury Square to almost this top of Great Victoria Street. Mm. It's so derelict now, mm. there are so many buildings yeah. which are just completely out of use and that, you know, that's just outside the core city centre. There just mm. strikes me as so much potential for redevelopment mm. and regeneration in that part and yeah. um, it's just what we do with that but even thinking just conversations I've had, you know, I've had some investors, predominantly based in England, who are looking to come over to Northern Ireland for starting to get a gauge, you know, in the build rent sector, obviously, mm. and it's an evolving space and across the, the UK. And, and the city living kind of thing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's so much opportunity there, but it's funny, it's almost like a script any time I've had a conversation with an investor. The, the first thing they'll, they'll want to know is the numbers. How can it stack up financially? And yeah. then do you have a stable government? <laughs> which is a trickier one to answer on that side of things. But yeah, it's one we need to watch in terms of that whole city centre living agenda. I mean, even Belfast City Council's plan to grow Mm-hmm. Um, you, you might know it yourself, Grand. Yeah. What is it? An additional thirty thousand or so over yeah, like 33 yeah. there, there is going to be a lot of change in the space, and ho- hopefully, it all goes in the right direction. Okay, look, we'll steer to a slightly different bit now because there's one of the kind of the themes which we've had questions about, and we wanted to, to pick your brain about, Carolyn, as well. Yeah. Is 
obviously we're a tech company, that's what we do. We, we're always looking to build technical solutions to, to help yeah. efficiency savings and solve problems. Clearly the surveying industry and the building surveying subcomponent of surveying is like every industry, I'm sure experiencing technical innovation, disruption, however you want to call it. Is, is there any sort of big changes you've seen in the sector, which is ultimately to the betterment and is helping aiding you in your or job? Or something that's coming shortly. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. I suppose looking specifically building surveying, long gone are the days that you're going out and doing um, a survey on pen and paper. Some people are, um, but, <laughs> but I suppose us as a company, we have um, digital advances and we've actually developed our own bespoke software called RLB Field. And what that does, um, it's actually a data capture tool where you go out and do the surveys on um, your iPad and it totally removes the, the sort of half a, half a day input in your survey findings on the computer. And what that does, it actually extracts that information onto a dashboard. So quite quickly, you can see a portfolio or their estate. Um, you can zoom in on a map, go and find the building. You can click on it, it'll tell you um, basically what your building fabric looks like, what your mechanical electrical services look like. And quite quickly, the client can see data live as soon as sure. you upload it on site. And what that's doing is it's basically moving the world of um, surveying because not only are you linking in the building surveys, you can also link in quantity surveying off the back of that as well. Right. So you can link in your facts, your figures. If you wanted to, you can link in potential specifications to see what the actual outturn of the building's gonna be. And you can also link in PPM strategies for your assets or FM provisions as well. We are, um, at the end of the day, it helps us be more efficient at our job. And if yeah. we're more efficient, it means that we can get more done for clients in a more efficient and hopefully cost-effective way. Yeah. It's a good way to put it. That's mm -hmm. everything we talk about internally here. You know, that's what we try and do is what are the pain points in any part of the, the process, whether it's yeah. buying, whether it's around, whatever yeah. it is, and what can we do to try and help aid that yeah. and, and improve efficiencies? Ultimately, that is the role of technology it, and, yeah. and digitization, yeah. isn't it? To try and I think um, probably some years, well, one of the things we, we struggle, it's not so much a struggle, but one of the things that we, we find is that clients aren't as receptive to it. And I'm going to be really specific about Northern Ireland because I have 10, 11 years experience um, working in England. The Northern Ireland market aren't as receptive to change or advances in technology as, as what I would have seen in England. Right. Um, I've no idea why. Maybe because Northern Ireland's slightly behind the times right. in terms of legislation and just generative advances, but um, things are slowly changing. Um, I think they're changing for the better, and we do see that in tenders that clients are, are requesting to use templates on their platforms or things like that. Right, okay. So it is changing, but just people aren't as receptive, and it's sometimes the cost. Some people can't really um, see the benefit in paying an extra couple of grand investment up front to see the benefits mm. in the output at the end. Yeah. Quite interesting. Okay. Mm. Errol, any, anything else? Well, have you? you any changes that you can see that are forthcoming in the next couple of years in your industry that's, that you have to be ready for as well? Yeah, I think it all just does come back to digital advances. So not just in the world of building surveying, but also quantity surveying. So quantity surveyors, again, going to be specific to the, the um, company that I work for. But again, we have our own bespoke software that um, allows us to build cost plans and cost databases based on regional um basically regions and so long gone are the day of flicking through the BCIS book or looking through your cost index um, mm. that you're pulling from the shelf. We have that all on um, so it's databases more, it's now. More, it's hyper-local really? It's hyper-local, yeah, and it's all, it's all about collaborative working. Again, we do a lot, as an industry, do a lot on BIM, do a lot on collaboration. Depending on who you work for over here, people do want that collaborative working method, but again, some people don't, and it just comes back to the cost. So hopefully now, over the next couple of years, we'll see more by way of collaboration, more by way of digital advances, um, and moving away from the archaic form of, of construction industry, I hope. Without naming names of yep. competitor businesses, obviously, is that, are you finding is are your company's clearly quite progressive in this space? We is, are, is, yeah. is, are others, particularly Northern Ireland, focused firms who maybe don't have that same 
depth of experience in, in other markets. Is there a legacy there where they're going to be slower to catch on and increasingly clients as, will dictate? As in so. Northern Ireland only ones, you mean? As well, yeah, yeah, ones who maybe don't have the same background of, of, of being bigger in the English market right. or other mm, markets yes. which are more Right, advanced. yes, I get you. Yeah, and to answer your question, yes, I think people maybe will struggle because we do have a bit of an advantage. We do have our own bespoke software and mm. we have a digital team that actually prepare that. And so all of that's done in-house. So we actually spend time, we, we don't dictate to the client. We actually spend time collecting the client brief, understanding what it is they want. And then our digital team, just our building surveyors might give them an estate strategy. Our digital team will give them a digital strategy okay. in terms of what they need. So it's like an all-encompassed um, project team from cradle to grave. I don't believe any of our competitors do that at the minute. So there oh, are okay. um, external companies that you, you can get to come in and outsource that, that sort of survey equipment. And, and that's used nationally. But I think where we differ is that we actually have the clients in mind and we're not just churning them out mm. all the time. Regardless of whether it's done by us, I just hope industry do move that way because there's great benefits, not just for for clients but also people that work on projects in the future so for example in um, the surveys that, that we do for clients they go onto their database that that's not there to benefit mm. us it's there to benefit it's them it's the future it's the future rather than all of the survey data sitting filed somewhere it's on a system so the next team the next project team that come along whether that be architects or design team if they need um, information on the condition of the property they can log onto the database and quickly it's find there. it so sure. it's all about the collaboration yeah yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's a nice pitch for your company in there as well. well honestly, that's it, yeah. but, but um, you know, it's, if you want to know more, it's like, let me know. It's, it's like everything. It's just transparency. It's the more stakeholders involved, is, yeah. the less they know what the other one's doing. The more complicated, the more time-consuming, and the more costly it all becomes. Yeah. So centralizing that into a secure source where everyone has access yeah. to the that's depth brilliant. of information, it just it streamlines it and makes it easier for everyone involved in the process and ultimately the end user Please. okay well look on that note that was uh, a really interesting end just obviously talking about technology there and the, the changes the industry may, may experience going forward so thank you so much for thank your time you so much. I, i've learned a lot out of this and hopefully the listeners have got some value so and um, we'll put up all the details in this obviously we'll put your contact details if anyone does want to reach out to you or find out more about your fancy software user using it <laughs> but uh, no just once again thank you so much for, for taking the time and sharing your experiences with us it's really appreciated thank you for having me